Welcome to the Pathway Podcast. On this episode, lead pastor Jeremy Flanagan continues our home series. Stay tuned after the sermon for this week's Next Steps. Uh, This is part two of Home. Uh, This is a series about what it looks like to take responsibility in the home. And you know, home is a, or should be, a special place. There are different seasons probably in your home life growing up and maybe even now where it's better than others, but, but home should be a special place. We should be working on our homes being somewhere where relationships are first and foremost, and that's the thing that, that makes our home special. And uh, just to kind of give you a little bit of backstory about my home, I too come from a divorced home, but uh, they, my parents didn't get divorced I was in college. So my parents were together all the way through. I think that I was 20 years old when they separated. But I got, I got two brothers. I'm in the middle, an older one and a younger one. And we, we love each other, you know, but we're not, we're not particularly close because we're very, very different. If you, it'd be hard. We do have similar uh, features, I guess, but you'd be hard-pressed to pick us out of a crowd and be like, those three guys are brothers. We're very, very different. Uh, one brother, he, he has hair down to his down to his back, he's a little bit of a what you may call a hippie, you know, and, and then my younger brother, you may call a redneck, you know, and, and we're very, I'm not sure what I am, but we're all very different, and I, I love my brothers, we've, we've been literally through our whole childhoods together, I've known them my whole life and, and all that jazz, but, and then my parents, I love my parents, they, they, they tried really, really hard to, to raise us in ways that, that we put God first, and we, we put other people above ourselves and things like that, and I'm very appreciative of it. And I have a uh, vast majority of my memories growing up were very positive and very loving and very encouraging. And that's what homes should be, right? Not that they're perfect, not that we should try to act like that they're perfect on the outside when in, we're in turmoil actually with inside the home, and that's where kind of where the church comes in to help us work on those things. But home should be a special place. And for this series, uh, it may feel a little bit like we're speaking exclusively to some people, and that's true. That's by design. And as a preface for today, for this series, uh, last week and then the coming weeks, we are specifically talking about families who are striving to follow Jesus as a family. Okay, that, that's our focus for this series. We're talking to families that are trying to follow Jesus as a family. Okay? Every fo- However, there's a second part to this preface. Every follower of Jesus is responsible for living a life that displays the gospel. Just because your home may not be that, right? Just because your home may be fractured in, in terms of, of what you believe, and you may have different beliefs within your home. Despite that, every follower has the personal responsibility to live a life that displays the gospel. So you may look at this, these few weeks that we're talking about this series and say, well, they're not talking to me. We're talking about responsibility within the home. We're also not letting you people get away of saying, well, my home is kind of a mess. We don't really all believe the same thing. You still have the personal responsibility as a Christian to live a life that displays the gospel. And our bottom line for this series is, first slide, the relationships in the home should display the gospel. The relationships in the home should display the gospel. So if you have kids, parent, and child relationship, 
We're going to talk about that here in a couple weeks. That should reflect the gospel, how parents parent their children and how children treat their parents. That should display the gospel, the husband and wife relationship, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, specifically, uh, we're going to be focusing a little bit more on the wife's role, the wife's responsibility in the church. But Jeremy said something last week that I thought was, was really, really good, and it's coming out in his next book. It's what his whole book is based on. Just kidding. We're not that kind of church. But, uh, so the next slide is, uh, is that quote, the lack of accepting responsibility is, I think, and he prefaced that so you can say that he was heretical if it's wrong, I think one of the main things that drives us away from following the patterns of God. The lack of accepting responsibility is one of the main things that drives us away from following the patterns of God. We look at our world, we look at what society says, we look at what our upbringing says, we look at what the church says, we look at what we think is right personally, and then we make decisions. And what Jeremy said last week is, is that the not wanting to accept responsibility for, for what's going on in our life drives us away from the pattern that God has that according to the way he wants us to live our lives. Because if, if we say, all right, the bad things that are happening, not my fault, the hard things I need to do in my life, I'm not going to do those. And it drives us away from how God wants us to live our lives. Because God wants us to live our lives in a way where we have responsibility. There are things that we have to do. And as individuals, no matter who you are, what your family looks like as an individual, if you claim to be a Christian, you have the responsibility to live a life that displays the gospel. It's your responsibility. You can't get away from it. And if you're part of a family where you all have the same faith and you all are a Christian family trying to follow Jesus, you each have individual responsibilities to make sure that you're fulfilling that role of the home and society to display the gospel to the world. Which asks the big question, are you abdicating your responsibility in the home? Are you pushing away from the table and saying, you know what? I don't have to contribute in this way. The things that God has asked me to do, I'm just not going to do it. I'm busy. I don't want to. I'm in a bad season. I'm struggling with my faith. Whatever the case may be, I want you to ask yourself the question, are you abdicating your responsibility in the home? I'm not talking about home management, which is much of our phase right now. It's like, all right, can can everybody survive today? Can everybody be relatively clean today? Can everybody be fed today? Like that's, that's where we, that's where Carrie and myself are in our home is that it takes a lot of energy just to manage our home. Can we make sure we have enough money in the bank account? Can we make sure that we don't kill each other? Things like that. That's not what I'm talking about. The abdication in the, of the responsibilities that I'm talking about is the main responsibility of displaying the gospel within your home. That's much different. That's very different than home management. Are you backing away from the table and saying, I'm taking a break from embracing the responsibility from displaying the gospel in my home, how I treat my husband, how I treat my wife, how I treat my kids, how I treat my parents? Are you abdicating that responsibility? Are you backing away from the table? You may have all the excuses in the world I got more, I guarantee you. I'm the best excuse maker out of anybody in this room, I'm willing to bet. But I won't because that may be sinful. Um, But what does that even really mean? What does that mean to display the gospel in your home? 
That's something we can say, and we can just leave it right there, call it a day, and go home. But what does it mean to display the gospel? So Paul, he talks about family dynamics in a lot of his letters. Peter even gets into it in 1 Peter. In Ephesians 5, Paul, he describes the gospel in this way and to help us understand the family dynamics and how the context of the gospel or how our family fits into the context of the gospel. So Ephesians 5, 25, that, that next slide with the, with the nice background, it says, Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. So Paul, he's defining the gospel within the context of what he's talking about here. And he says that Christ loved the church and died for us. Through that sacrifice, he cleanses us, right? Now we can stand in the presence of holy God, even though that we are sinful people, because of what Christ has done for us, we can stand in the presence of God. But what role does the husband play in that? What role does the husband play in the gospel picture that Paul is describing here that should be displayed in the home? Well, Ephesians 5.25, if we look at the first sentence of that verse, we can see that, that he says, For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy without fault. The journey to having a home that displays the gospel, there's no way around it. And Jeremy hit the nail on the head. He didn't hold back at all. He called some of you boys as well as he should have. And he says that you need to grow up and be a man because the journey as a home that displays the gospel begins with the man. If the husband is not striving to follow Jesus, then the dynamic that we're discussing today doesn't work. But for those of you men in the room that are husbands or want to be husbands, future husbands, if you're a Christian, if you want a home that displays the gospel, it can't happen without you. If you want a home that, that speaks loudly and clearly the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that, that God loves us so much that he sent Jesus to redeem people back to him so that they can live a life in that freedom of his grace and to live a sanctified life through, through our desire to be like Christ and our work to become like Christ. It's got to start with you. Because it's, it's difficult for, for it to work because Follow me here. This is a little bit complicated. I'm not the best at, at doing things sequentially. But the way that Paul describes the gospel in Ephesians 5, we can say if Christ fell to love, right, if his motivations were not love, and he failed to give up his life, and if he failed to do the things that it was necessary to cleanse the sins of the world, it would fail to be the gospel, Right? If, if any one of those things were, were to be a failure, if he failed to love, if he failed to die for us, if he failed to, to live a sin, sinless life, if he failed to do those things, it wouldn't be good news for us. He would just be another guy. But he did all those things, so it is the gospel. If the husband fails to sacrificially love, if the husband fails to lay down his life 
in a way that sacrifices for his wife, if a husband doesn't do those things that Jeremy talked about last week, it, the home will fail to display the gospel as well as it could. If the husband fails to do those things, it's going to fail into being a picture of the gospel in a way that God wants it to be. Okay? That's, I'm not going to say anything more about husbands. Just kidding. Uh, but the big question that we're going to answer today, you can see it in the next slide, is what is the responsibility of the wife within the home? Jeremy did a great job last week with the husbands. We're going to talk about the wives this morning. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, Paul talks about this uh, leading up to what we just read from Ephesians 5. In Ephesians 5, 21 says, And further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. He's speaking to a church here. He's saying, hey guys, you need to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives... This means submit to your husbands as to, the Lord, as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Why do people have such strong reactions and opinions on verses like these? I, I looked up all the verses that are similar to this. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's more than I thought before I looked into it closely. People have strong reactions to this. Some of you may have grown up in traditions where this was unwaveringly about the way that a wife... I know people, I'm not going to say any names. I've said that before and then immediately said the name afterward. But, on accident. But I know the, some people where the dynamic is that the wife serves the husband in such a way that the husband expects it. And if she fails to serve him in such a way that things are bad, he gets angry, right? That's not what Paul is talking about here. What Paul is going to, and we're going to be getting into this, the reason that people have such strong reactions and opinions on these verses is because we have either seen or experienced or it's been our home dynamic where people confuse oppression and submission. Where the husband and wife get it wrong about power and relationship. They get authority and accountability mixed up. They get privilege and sacrifice confused. Where people get hung up about this is, is you see the word submit into that, in that section. And what you can see is, is the way society automatically wants to pervert the relationship between man and wife. You can take this verse and you can take it and you can make it apply and to fit that perversion of what it's supposed to be. Where you can take that word submit and make it into what you want it to be. Whether it be a wife or a husband, the, the way that they want to pervert it. And what we want to do is challenge ourselves to actually look at what Paul is saying here. And actually take the word submit to actually look at it. And to figure out what exactly Paul is saying here. So that the husband and wife can have a relationship that displays the gospel. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask my wife to come up here. So I'm not in trouble. So Carrie, she's going to come up here. Give Carrie a round of applause. She has to deal with a lot. I'll get these. I'll get these. I'll get, oh, make me look foolish, Carrie. I was going to do that. This is actually our Valentine's Day date night. Uh, welcome to our Valentine's Day date night. So Jeremy's sermon from last week. We don't need that. All right, so the, what, the reason I wanted Carrie up here was because 
Not, not that I wanted to get in trouble, but because when we first met, our, our dynamic was we had a lot of good discussions about the way that we were raised and about the diff- dynamics, specifically about husband and wife, because Carrie comes from a divorced home as well, right? Right. If we, if we counted all the divorces between just our four, just my mom and dad and your mom and dad, how many are there? Seven. Seven, yeah. So there, there's a lot that, that we, when we first were friends, that we discussed about marriage because I, I, I wasn't as scared of marriage as I should have, and you were definitely scared. As Terrified. You, yeah, <laughs> because of our experience. And I just wanted to get your opinion and your perspective because we're talking about how, what the responsibility of wives are to be in the home. So why do people, in your opinion, why do people have strong reactions and opinions to verses like this where it says, wives, submit to your husbands? Yeah, I think there are a couple of different things. But um, I think, like you said, submission is not oppression. It, uh, number one, I think we as a culture maybe just want to jump on that um, in that way. But also, I just don't think a lot of people have had good examples or have, had, um, have been able to look at their parents or a close marital relationship and say, oh, those people are doing it right, and that's what it should look like. We see a lot of um, examples that maybe, you know, fall short. We all fall short, I should say that. But um, so I think a lot of marriages can end in one of the extremes, but not quite display the gospel in this way. Yeah, it's, it's hard to do. There's a reason. Yes. The divorce, once the divorce became socially acceptable, it's, it went through the, the rates went through the roof. Uh, so when you were on the prowl back in the day, I won't say how many years it is, <laughs> and you thought about verses like this, you thought about the idea of like biblical marriage or submission is an important part of it. What were your thoughts back then before you were married? So my parents got divorced, their divorce was finalized my freshman year of college. And um, I think for me, I guess we're getting into some of that, um, but it kind of shifted a lot of my how I thought about marriage and honestly mm. scared me, as mm. we just said. Um, so I think I don't know back then if I necessarily like meditated on the word submit, but I knew that I wanted to marry someone who was actively following Jesus, who I could see that and witness that in his life, and um, that that would then impact my life, my marriage, our future family, or whatever that looked like. So um I mean, now I would say I would look for someone who I could submit to, who I could trust. And um, so even though maybe back then, I don't know if I thought about the word submit, but that was a big part of choosing who to marry, Mm -hmm. who I could trust and lean on. Yeah, you sent me a text this week because I was asking for your thoughts in preparation for this, right? You sent me a text that's, and it reminded me of the conversations that we had before we started dating was if, if your husband looks like Jesus, why is it hard for you to follow him? Obviously not like physically, but... <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, not physically look like Jesus. That'd be hard to do. But, uh, but that, that struck me back then, and like you said something similar to that back then, is, is because like that puts responsibility on the husband, right? Like the potential husband. That puts right. responsibility on that. And, and if you... 
like we said earlier, this all just just like the gospel hinges on Christ for the for the home to operate the way that God wants it to. Like the ultimate responsibility falls on the husband to lead, and you can't abdicate that, or else it all falls apart. And so that that was just something that because back then I the reason you're up here is because I wanted to abdicate responsibility early on and before we even started dating. You said, well, that's not going to work. <laughs> if you want to date me, you have to take responsibility. And I said, but but why? And, and I just really, because I was so dumb, like, I couldn't understand, like, the role that responsibility played in a healthy relationship. But thankfully you're here, and uh, we have a couple kids and all that. Thank you for that. Um, so now that, now that you've been married, we've been married seven, just over seven years. What does the word submit from Ephesians 5 mean to you now as a wife? I think, for me, it. We talk, the Bible talks about submission over and over again. Mm. I guess for me, it's not, um, you know, super offensive, but um, I think about it as putting the other person's needs above your own to help that other person to flourish and be the best Jesus follower that, in this case, you can be. So if I'm waking up every day and thinking about myself and just what I need to get through the day, which, like you said, we live pretty hectic lives. We have two little kids, and um, things can get cr- really crazy, and we are not at all perfect. Um, but I think when I am thinking about your needs and what is going to help you be uh, the Jesus follower that you need to be, and also you're a professional Jesus follower. <laughs> so there's a different weight there, too. Um, so when I think about how what is difficult for you or what will help you... Um, to and it's not just to make you happy or mm. to um, you know make your life easy, but if it, it might for me, I want to be a partner to you in a way that you that helps you display and tell other people about Jesus through your life and help our family in that way too. Um, so some of the things I saw this thing about a month ago where um, a wife sets a a, um, a timer on her phone or what's it called an alarm on her phone for the time of her husband's like birthday so your birthday is 1018 so at 1018 I set that timer and that reminds me to pray for my husband and um, even if he doesn't know it and um, to just be thinking about things that are going to help you in your relationship with God and um, help you get through the day yeah and so to me like specifically within our within our dynamic when you do those things, and I notice them, a lot of times they go unnoticed because I'm oblivious to a lot, but it convicts me so much to be like Jesus, right? Like, it, it makes me want to be more like Jesus because I know that the way that you submit, right, the way that you serve and the way that you love me is, it reminds me of Jesus and it also reminds me to be Jesus, Right? And that's, and I'm just so thankful. And this reason I wanted you to be up here so that you could uh, be the authority on how to be a wife. Um, So we're going to skip a few. But what advice would you give to single women who are looking to be married and preparing to to live out Ephesians 5? Okay. Um, I would say, I mean, number one, a single, in the Bible there's no dating. There's married and there's unmarried. Mm -hmm. And so I would think, um, I mean, the Bible does say in Ephesians 5, 21, as we just said, um, that the church should submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so there is, you should 
submit to each other in the body out of reverence for Christ. You should count other people's um, needs above your own. But when it comes to a dating relationship, you don't, I don't know, submit to leadership of a boyfriend, number one. But then in the same way as you would submit to a husband. Why not submit to that? Because a marriage is to display the gospel. And when we are giving up um, that opportunity or, you know, trying to live that life before we've made that commitment, then it just loses, it lacks its its punch, its um, potency. That's what marriage is for. And, um, And if you are dating someone who marriage also is combining two lives to become one flesh is what the Bible says. So if you're dating someone who you don't want to be like your right arm, <laughs> like physically, mm-hmm. to attach yourself to someone that way, then don't date that person. Um, I would also say that um, the Bible is very clear that men, and we've just gotten come out of a, a series on mentorship. It's huge. And if it wasn't for mentorship in my life, I don't know how I would have gotten to a place of being wanting to take the jump into marriage because I was terrified and I had a mentor at the time. We had a rocky start, I'd say. (laughs) And uh, to to our dating relationship. Right. Yes. Um, Our marriage was a smooth, smooth smooth sea compared to dating. Um, Yes. So, but I had, um, I just developed a lot of insecurities of like whether or not I should be dating you, but I had seen a lot of changes Mm -hmm. in your life and I wanted to, but just out of what I thought was expected of me, I was like, oh, I'm, I shouldn't date this person or I shouldn't <laughs> be with this person because of our history at that time. And I had a mentor look at me and say, Carrie, if Mitchell loves Jesus, like he's following Jesus, I see it, he loves God, then everything's fine. Like it's fine. Date him. I mean, it, of course, there are a lot of other things that go into that, but that's a big motivating factor of, you know, if you can trust someone who's following Jesus, then um, that's a big deal. So surround yourself with other wise women. I'm looking at this crowd. I see a lot of wise women who know a whole lot more than I do. Um, There are people, and if you don't have a mentor that's in your life, I think that that is just one of the gifts that God has given us to be able to see a situation clearly and to speak wisdom into our lives. Yeah, that, and thank you to the person that told Carrie to date me. Uh, <laughs> you, you know who you are if you're listening. Um, so finally, why is it important to lean into the dynamic of submission and love in marriage? I think it's just so countercultural. Um, and, you know, in any, you talked about how these verses can be perverted in any culture, and that's true. Um, but I think they can also be countercultural in any culture. And it's just... Um, and that's why they stand the test of time. And if we are choosing to lay down our lives for other people, that is not something that comes natural, that is easy, um, that the world is going to look at and say, oh, that makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, a lot of times it doesn't. And uh, what Jesus did for us doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, he's perfect, but he took our sins and died for us so that we can have a relationship with him. And that's what our lives should be about. And so I think um, it's important to lean into this because the gospel is important because sharing the gospel with other people is important um, and other people coming to know Jesus is important. Yeah, when, when, you're go- when your home reflects the gospel, right, when it displays it, we know, as, as individuals, we know that the gospel is the hope of every individual, that it's the hope of 
every couple, it's the hope of every home that you look to that and you can know that, that you have life, everlasting life because of Christ and freedom from condemnation and all that. It's, it's the hope of the world. And so when the home is displaying that correctly, the hope of the world is displayed through how you treat each other and how you love each other. And the, the stakes are high, right? Like the, yes. people, people look at how I treat you and you treat me and how we treat our kids and we're striving. Not that we do this perfect hardly ever, but, <laughs> but the, the important part is that we're working on it so that when people see our homes, that they see Jesus in that, that they see uh, a God who came and submitted himself to life as a human and to go to the cross and to die for our sins and to see that displayed in how we love each other, how we love our kids, and, and at least us trying to. Like, that's, that's what we encourage all of you to do and to look at. And so the, the, band, the band's going to come forward, and uh, I'm going to read Philippians 2, 1 through 11. And Paul's writing here to the, to the Christians of Philippi, and he writes, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. That's, that's hard to do all the time in a church, and it's hard to do all the time in a home. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests but also to the, take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think equality with God as something to cling to. Think about that. He was God, but he didn't think about equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died on a criminal's, cross, criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the highest place of honor and gave him the, the name above all of the names that at the name of Jesus, at that name of a human man that was also God, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Christ is our example. And if that's true, if, if Christ is the person that we're following and he's the Lord of our life, we need to make sure that we look to his example. And not that we're trying to elevate ourselves or fight for, jockey for positions of power, even within the home or within our workplace or wherever, but we look to him and we see his humility and his love for others. And that's what we aim for, that we reflect the truth of the gospel. In life, he modeled servanthood and sacrifice. And in death, he gave up his life for those who, even those who hated him, and even those who put him on the cross, he died for every single one of us. What Carrie and I want to do is we want to take this time, and, and I'm going to pray for the husbands in the room, and the future husbands in the room, and Carrie's going to pray for the, the women and the wives the future wives. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you for the men in this room who have decided to follow you and try to live like Jesus. And I pray that 
as we do that, that husbands can lead well, that we can sacrifice the things that we may want to hold on to a little too tightly, and that we look to who you are and what you've done through Christ, and we follow that example. And that the temptation to make our relationships and our marriages and our homes about power and and who's in charge and how things should be done, that we look to, to Christ and are inspired and convicted to live a life of sacrifice and love and service. And in that way we can lead and in that way we can look like you. Bless our homes, bless our marriages, help them to display the good news of Jesus. Father God, I just pray for the women, for the wives in this room, those who are watching online, Lord, that um, you would just give them hearts to love their husbands, to serve their husbands, to think of his interests above their own. Um, In a godly submission, Lord, that's freely given, not um, oppression, Lord, and that you would just um, be with them, give them the courage to wake up each day, give them the energy that they need to think of their husband not as the enemy, but as a partner, as a part of their own body, Lord, that you would just um, inspire them to, um, to live out their calling, to model your gospel, Lord, so that the world can know who you are, that our marriages would look different than others, that other people would have questions and that would open opportunities for us to share the gospel with them, Lord. We just thank you for those who are striving to live after what you have called them to, that you would surround us with other women and encouragers to do the same and to take the steps that we need to take in our families and in our relationships, Lord. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. We challenge you to take some next steps this week. One, do a Bible reading plan with your spouse this week. You can find links to our YouVersion suggestions on the sermon blog. Two, pray with your spouse every day this week. For more information about small groups, Pathway Kids, or anything Pathway related, contact us at pathwaybaptist.com connect.